Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon with you until noon. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic coming up in 20 minutes. As we look forward to uh, talking with our friend Scott Dockerman. As we do right now with Zach Reimer. He covers Major League Baseball for Bleacher Report. One of their lead writers over there. As we recap the weekend and of course obviously get into the uh, bigger news. Other than the play on the field was the uh, virus um, and its impact. And we're already seeing it. Zach Trent Condon, Ken Miller, thank you for coming on. How are you Zach Reimer? Uh, you know, in these times of ours, I'm doing as well as one could possibly be doing. So at least I got that going for me. Indeed. It was great to watch baseball over the weekend. It was, it felt like, uh, at least in some respects, a little bit normal to be able to sit down in front of your television and, and watch the boys between the lines. Uh, what, I guess play on the field. Let's, let's start there. And I'm, it's kind of a general question, but you know, with the abbreviated summer, Camps, if you want to see, if you want to call it that, we've seen some pitchers that have been, unfortunately, Verlander, a couple more that uh, might not, um, you know, might miss some time due to fatigue in their arm or something that happened in their first start of the year. But the play on the field, I, I didn't notice that much of a difference, really. Uh, it looked like a typical day, a game in late July, with the exception, obviously, the ballpark empty. But how about you, Zach? Yeah. Um... Uh, you know, I was kind of carefully looking for things that seemed off, uh, you know, compared to a normal season. Um, it's too early to kind of get into kind of league-wide numbers. I mean, whether offense is up or down or, you know, pitching velocity is very uh, has varied at all. I think maybe the one thing that kind of caught my eye, it seems like pitchers aren't as sharp, especially relief pitchers coming in uh, later in games. But, um, yeah, uh, at least to the eye test, relatively normal baseball apart like you said the the no fans in the stands which was i gotta say especially noticeable on the few walk-off hits that we had throughout the weekend mm. yeah and and you can you know hear the piped in sounds of the game and they raise after a hit but there's just something different about those walk-offs and and the excitement and well the excitement of what 30 40 50 people that are excited on one side and dejected on the other just a completely different feel you mentioned looking at the game how different it looks how, how different it feels inside the white lines and you know zach watching the ball games being played it was just it was such a happy feeling yet you look around and the cardboard cutouts and the goofiness that's there and what fox tried to do on saturday night it still leaves us knowing that this is a pandemic. As we look at the NBA, last week the report, there weren't any positive t- tests. NHL just came out with a report, similar numbers for both of them. The bubble, it was scoffed at for baseball, putting in Arizona, Texas, Florida, whatever it turned out to be. Ultimately, did Major League Baseball make a mistake not going with the bubble concept? Well, I think if any of us really want to be blunt, whether or not Major League Baseball made a mistake. It was whether or not just to have a season at all, mm-hmm. not not whether not where they played it, not under what circumstances they played it. I mean, they are. This is a risk, uh, to say the least. Um, 
but the reality for for baseball specifically is that uh you know Arizona, Texas and Florida are you know three states where you could have hypothetically had a bubble situation either all three or just one of them. And when it came time to kind of actually get serious about planning a uh making a plan for how to come back this season, uh those three states were having problems with the the virus and still are. So um you know, I uh, I think ultimately what they sell on, at least in their minds, was the least bad solution for coming back. Um, and uh, you know, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but we're already three days into the the, the return, and there are already cracks in the other uh, hole. Yeah, Cincinnati might be the next team. We heard some whispers uh, that 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 uh, Mustakas he didn't come to the ballpark, and I get that they're they're telling the guys to stay home as opposed to come to the clubhouse and get treatment if they aren't feeling well. Um, we we see Arcia get on base. He got on base a lot for the Brewers this weekend against the Cubs, and Rizzo reaches into his back pocket and pulls out the hand sanitizer, which obviously we'd never seen before in a Major League Baseball game. But you know, back to the um back to what lies ahead have you heard anything with the reds cubs go in there tonight as opposed to normally they would have traveled after the game yesterday they're not flying to cincinnati until today have you heard is it more widespread than just the marlins and the phillies who played and then obviously the trickle over the orioles marlins game and then the yankees and the phillies being postponed any other teams that we might be hearing uh, might have a problem here in the hours ahead uh, not that I've heard, and just generally, just from I've been on Twitter pretty much all morning, um, just looking for updates, and it really does seem like all eyes are on the Marlins right now. Um, you know, if it's, if it's a situation that's Mike Moustakas, I think Nick Senzel might be wrapped in it. I could be wrong about that. You know, worst comes to worst, that's two cases right there. Yeah. The Marlins have upwards of 10, I think, right now. Between 14, their players and their, their yeah. staff. 14, yeah. Um, that's Right there, you know, just on a, a single team basis, that is a worst case scenario. Um, and you know, it, so far as I can tell, it's they're the only team that has that widespread of an outbreak, which I guess is a silver lining. But at the same time, uh, when you're down to 29 functional teams, that kind of collapses the house of cards to a certain extent. So um, that's why, you know, it, it, so far right now, we know that the uh, the Marlins uh, Orioles game has been uh, postponed tonight. We know that the Yankees and Phillies game, seemingly out of a, out of an abundance of caution, has also been postponed. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, one you know, it's like you know, once you go that far, where you're ready to just take two games off the schedule just for one team that's having an outbreak, uh, you know, where do you go from there? That's a good question. Zach Reimer joining us from Bleacher Report. Let's put our head in the sand and uh, talk about what we saw over the weekend. <laughs> okay. And leave that to the side. A weekend where nobody gets through unscathed. Everybody picked up a victory over the weekend. First time since 1953, I believe it was, that this has happened. We don't have a 3-0 and or 0-3 team three games in. Want to uh, go to our neck of the woods, and that's, of course, the, the Centrals, the National League, and the American League. Let's start with the NL. Great start for Tyler Chatwood yesterday. This Cubs team's got some stars and certainly some question marks there. It seems so compressed together in the National League Central. It doesn't feel like we know anything after a weekend here. Who do you like in that race in the National League Central? Jeez, uh, you know, it, it's funny. Coming into, actually, as of, like, you know, 12 hours before the start of the season, I had my official predictions go live for the year. 
Um, I had the Reds winning the division. I think their offense is better. I like the, what they have in their starting rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that they're clearly better than the Cubs, and I don't think any of those four top contenders in that division, being the Cubs, the Reds, the uh, the Brewers, and the Cardinals, are significantly better than one another. Oh, so yeah. even in a situation where we knew it was going to be 60 games, and at the time uh, it was assumed that it was going to be a regular structure, three division winners, two wild card teams, it seemed like there was no clear favor in that division. So it really was a toss-up. And now that we know that at least two teams from the Central, plus maybe a third, even possibly a fourth, could make the playoffs. Hmm. I mean, it, I'm kind of sitting here going like, well, what is even the point of picking a favorite? It really is just like, uh, you know, especially given the current circumstances, really which one of those teams can make it through the season uh, with the fewest injuries and certainly the fewest illnesses. So um, it really is, like I said, a toss-up. I want to ask you about uh, Shohei Otani because, boy, he was bad yesterday with a capital B going against the A's. I don't believe he recorded an out. He got lit up. Velocity wasn't there. Of course, he was such a phenom, right? We hadn't seen anything like this in a long, long time. He's going to come over. He's going to start every fifth day, but uh, those other four days, he just wouldn't be sitting out in the bullpen. He was going to have a spot. Um, what, What do we make? Is it just one start or... Uh, obviously, you think back to last year and the injury that knocked him out. Is there real concern about Otani going forward, do you think, Zach? Um, yeah, you know, I I think I mean, with him more than any other pitcher, you can just, you know, if you want to be charitable, you can chalk it up to rust. He hasn't pitched in basically two years. Um, so, and to me, you know, the velocity is a concern, obviously, but uh, uh, just as uh, what stuck out just as much to me was that he had no idea where the ball was going. It seemed like his release point was all over the place, uh, was not hitting his spot, so maybe he just hasn't uh, kind of settled into his usual mechanics yet. Um, but, you know, listen, the Angels really have to be concerned about that because the strength of that team, even with Otani in that rotation, is not their pitching. Um, so they absolutely needed him to be on top of his game in order to have, you know, the best possible shot of the postseason. If they can't count on that, then... You know, that's huge, even with, you know, the Astros being without Justin Verlander, Rangers being without Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another tightly packed division. Going to be completely wild the way to see this thing plays out, and unfortunately kind of coming full circle and very well could play out who's healthy and healthy, not just in terms of a bad shoulder and a bad knee, but of course what happens with COVID in the division. We're talking earlier today, Nelson Cruz of the Twins and watching this guy, a guy that really didn't even become a regular until he was almost 30 years old, had the most home runs the previous decade. He's off to a great start with three home runs here for the uh, starting the 2020 decade. And he's the leader in that one. I say watching this guy hit He's not a household name, but just a, a player to watch. Is there a guy out there that is under the radar, Zach, that you just, every time he comes to the plate, you know you're going to flip over, and you just want to see what he does when he comes up there every single time? Ooh, okay. Under the radar, great hitter. Okay. I feel on the spot right now, but <laughs> I'm going to give it a shot. Put, putting the pressure on you a little bit, Zach. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay, I don't think people have kind of woken up to Rafael Devers yet. Yeah, uh, okay. he was not an, he was not an All Star last year, and uh, I know he's had some moments in the postseason where he's kind of come up big. But um, uh, last year specifically, uh, led quietly led all of baseball in total bases, and he did it uh, specifically through having 
the highest number of hard hit balls, that being uh, batted balls with an exit velocity exit velocity of at least 95 miles per hour, had more of those than any other hitter in baseball last year. So just in terms of a pure uh, barrel-to-ball ability, I don't know if there's anybody on his level in the game right now. And I don't think people have really woken up to that. Uh, last thing for me, Zach Reimer from uh, Bleacher Report. Apparently the owners, this was already a scheduled call that they were going to get on with Manfred uh, after the first weekend and, and talk about how the first weekend uh, w- w- was able to play out. Obviously, whatever was on the agenda, that agenda's been scrapped. Um, do you think we'll learn anything from the owners today? Do we know what Manfred and baseball's plan is if indeed there's, you know, because this is a full-on outbreak uh, in this Marlins clubhouse. Do we know, have we seen their plan? Have they made uh, gone public with that? Or are they going to be writing it, at least part of it, on this phone call today? Um, you know, I, I can't speak to specifically what they're going to be talking about, but I assume at some point the subject is going to come up like, okay, where is the line in terms of calling off the season? Because as I understand it, it was reported by uh, Andy Martino of SNY. This was a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about, you know, hypothetically what would trigger a cancellation of the season. And it's very vague. It's not, there's nothing exact in there. It was basically three things. One of which is, uh, if there's travel restrictions imposed from on high in the United States, that hasn't happened, probably not going to happen. And after that, it's basically up to Rob Manfred's discretion. Um, and from what is out there right now, it doesn't sound like Major League Baseball is going to use the Marlins situation as an excuse to shut it all down. But they really do need to figure out, like, okay, where, like I said, where is the line? How many positive tests? How many teams? Uh, how many players or personnel on just on one team. So these things need specific answers just because right now the way they're doing it, which is basically just kind of taking it as it comes, uh, nobody should, especially nobody in baseball should feel safe just doing that. Finally, uh, a news that came out right as the season was getting ready to start. It was the expansion of the playoffs. A move from the 10 teams that get in, five in each league, to 16 teams. Your thoughts overall on it and and how it's going to play down in this crazy 60-game schedule. Basically, you're going to change the complete structure of the playoffs here. And you go out and you go 45 and 15, good luck. you got a three-game series to move on. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, right now anyway, and you know, I'm, I'm open-minded to having uh, my mind changed once we get, hopefully, if we actually get into the, the expanded playoffs, but I don't like it in theory for something that you alluded to. It seems like it punishes the best teams in the league, which is the opposite of what it should be doing. I hope it doesn't return in 2021 as for now, but, um, you know, whether it's the, the DH in the National League, the cardboard cutouts in the stands, uh, the expanded rosters, this season is really all about just embracing the, the weirdness um, and just hoping that they can make it to the end of the season. So um, I'm not pounding the table over it. I'm kind of like, whatever. I get it that it's kind of necessary from a financial standpoint, not just for the owners, but for the players as well. So for this season, it makes sense, and uh, I'm just hoping we get there. You and me both, and I know Trent Condon joins us as well. Zach yep. Reimer, thank you. Good to speak with you. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Zach Reimer from Bleacher Report. So we talk a little MLB. So what do you think? What are The owners, will we learn anything on this call today? 1230? Uh, scheduled, obviously, as right. I said, the agenda's changed from what it was going to be. I 
I don't see anything huge coming out here. It's feels like kind of a wait and see, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Get through the next day, two. I saw a report on Twitter, and I'm not even sure who it was. It wasn't even an account that I knew. It wasn't a Ken Rosenthal type of name. Gotcha, yeah. But said that the Marlins are making phone calls to every viable free agent out there right now are they to really? try to put together a team. Well, that yeah. would make sense, right? Hey, where are you at? Where have you been working out? What have yeah. you been doing? We need dudes. Need yeah, who would be out there? I mean, I don't. There might, there's probably a sure. handful of them right. that you... Uh, um, well, we'll see. Uh, let's do this, Trent Condon. Scott Dockerman coming up, by the way. Kex and Owen iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword FUN to 200. 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. FUN to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, we will talk to Scott Dockerman next. Trent and I with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.net. The newly renovated Bennigan's on Merle Hay Road is reopened. Bennigan's has all your old menu favorites and now an updated look. A huge 86-inch TV. Televisions throughout for your sports viewing and now 20 beers on tap. Bennigan's on Merle Hay is clean and follows safety protocols to keep their customers safe and healthy. Dine in, carry out, or curbside. Your neighborhood gathering spot for the best happy hour in town. Connected to the Holiday Inn at 4800 Merle Hay Road. Bennigan's, your new neighborhood gathering spot. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. I'm to talk a little Iowa with Scott Docker. And by the way, by the way uh, Adam Rittenberg, whose latest piece is at ESPN.com. Uh, it's a long read, but it's a pretty in-depth read. Some of the players quoted in it I haven't seen before, so there is some new stuff in there. Adam Rittenberg will join Trent and I tomorrow morning at 1025. Scott Dockman writes for The Athletic, does a nice job. Top def- uh, defensive players ranked yesterday, offensive this morning. We'll get into that. Scott Dockerman, Trent and Ken, how are you, sir? Not as bad as it was yesterday with the weather, but all things considered, uh, I think everybody's doing well here. Yeah, so far so good. It was great to watch baseball over the weekend on TV, and uh, here's hoping we uh, will continue down that path. Uh, Scott, I want to ask you, before we get into uh, to stuff you've been doing, did you read Rittenberg's piece today at ESPN.com? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, a lot of the people that were quoted in that uh, had similar stories to what been reported a month ago, and... Maybe there are a few that I didn't quite see from previously, but... yeah, I guess I read it. You know, I, the, the, there's a couple of things that bother me. Obviously, not making bins available when he's quoted in there about DJK. I think they should have if they're trying to, you know, turn over a new leaf, as we're led to believe. But the fact, and if this is true, that Chris Doyle, and I'm just picturing his office, right? And he's got a uh, some kind of a, a desk behind him or whatever. And it's, on his desk, he's got a picture of the family and maybe him holding up a big fish that he caught somewhere. And right beside those is a picture of DJK with a yellow trash can on his head that apparently any player that could walk into his office would see that picture. Doc, that's a disgrace. And if that was there for any amount of time, I have to assume that somebody 
it would have sunk in that maybe this isn't the best look. Somebody should ask Doyle to maybe not display that in public. Do you know if that part true? Had you ever heard about that before, Doc? I, I'd been in his office before, but I had not seen that. And uh, that is very troubling. I think, you know, there's so much to that to the DJK Iowa angle. And I've been in touch with DJK through this summer, and I have not quoted him. Um, I think he's kind of a polarizing figure for this type of a story. But I also think that, uh, you know, it, it's pretty mutual and in, in who is at fault. And Iowa needs to be the bigger character here. Iowa needed to be the, the, the program that uh, still continue to try to welcome people back. And I do know for a fact, last fall he was invited and he was supposed to participate in all of their activities. And the day before, uh, either two days before or the day before, he was told not to appear. Mm. And I thought that was really bad. And I know talking to players who were on that team, they hated it. They were as bad as, as you could ever imagine because it, and it hung uh, Broderick out to dry. Yep. I mean, because Broderick was the one who actually made the invitation and was told it was okay, and then he was told not to do it after, at late in the fact. I mean, you know, if Iowa, I mean, in hindsight, that's that's a big mistake by Iowa, and and there are a lot of them. There are a ton of mistakes that they're making, and you know, I'll have a story. You know, that said, uh, you know, DJK made a few of his own. As no well, question, and has over the years. So this is uh, this is one of those things where everybody's mutually culpable. Uh, but Iowa needed to be the bigger program in this situation, and it wasn't. Doc, we continue to wait in, uh, for the report from Hush Blackwell, the firm down in Kansas City. It feels like at times maybe Iowa is hiding behind that while well, we're just waiting for the report, and we'll talk a little bit more. As we wait for it, we were told weeks, not months, but we're getting close to months here. How much longer do you anticipate we're going to have to wait? And once this is out there, how much more transparent, if any, do you expect Iowa and the football program to be? I think it's going to be days, not weeks now. I think okay. we probably will get the report this week is my guess and from what I've heard. So, um, you know, I mean, when you're interviewing, you know, 100-plus people, it's hard to make it, you know, two to three weeks. And it's really – you want it to be comprehensive. And, you know, Barta said weeks, not months. And, you know, if it's less than two months, I think it's in that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they need to be transparent. There is no doubt about it. If they're not transparent, then, then this whole procedure, you know, really, you, you should just blow up the whole entire football program, in my opinion, if you do it that way. Now, I think they've been pretty good since all of this has come out. I mean, Kirk Ferentz has discussed things multiple times, especially early when this happened. Uh, Gary Barta has spoken. Players have spoken. Um, you know, and then there have been a lot of people on the back, you know, side that have, have spoken as well. So I think they've been pretty good. But this report is the most important report we've, we've seen at Iowa since, you know, really you can even include the 2008 one, which, uh, you know, involved around that, uh, that incident of rape with uh, some football players and a swimmer. I think that this is even more to the program and to the institution. This one may have more importance. So, uh, you know, everything needs to be transparent because if it isn't, then I think you have to start at square one with the entire department, not just football. Hmm. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Well, let's talk football, Doc, because uh, that's good. Uh, if indeed it is days as opposed to weeks, uh, we'll certainly look for that. Um, but, Doc, let's let's get to what may, we may be what witnessing here this fall. Do you anticipate that, um, that the Big Ten is going to 
fill everybody else in as to how they're going forward. I know the Big 12, particularly Oklahoma and Kansas, they're scheduling on their own now. They've, they've gone out and found opponents for week number zero. They're partitioning the Big 12 to play in that week. When do we think we'll find out what the Big 10 has planned? We know it's conference only. We get that. Uh, but is it going to be nine? Will they add a tenth game? If so, who's it going to be? Are they going to wait? Are they going to go early? When will we know, Doc? Um, I would guess that within the next uh, week to 10 days, I've been in touch with the Big Ten, and they're not ready yet. And, you know, this has been the most cautious of the of the conferences. It's also, when you look at, uh, you know, what it is academically, it's also the most prestigious of the institutions or the leagues. So I think that they are they're going on their doctors, and they have a, a wide consortium of people that they have, in, you know, involved in this. So I think they are much more cautious than everybody else. But that said, I mean, they know that they need to start getting to the position of making that move. And I think the schedule probably comes out this week, and I would anticipate at the very, very, very least next weekend. Because, you know, the teams have to know, too. And if you need to push things back, you do. But I think, you know, you need to have that kind of target date for everyone, especially because next week is when they're allowed to start, you know, ramping up football camp. And, you know, they've been able to, to kind of go through some of the, the mandatory activities of, as of late. But this is, uh, you know, you're getting, <laughs> you know, we would have had media days last. Right. You know, we would have had real stuff. And, and now we're still playing the guessing game on our, when are they going to play? And, and so they, they need to start putting that target out there for everybody to kind of, you know, figure out before, um, even if they have to push it back, that's fine. But, but we need we need some closure, and, and certainly the players and coaches do as well. You know, Doc, everyone is looking at the financial aspect of this and how that's going to play in. Ken and I had a conversation last week about the possibility, not just the scheduled Friday night game at Minnesota, but if you're going to have as many bye weeks as very well you could, especially if you start with week zero at the end of August there, Going forward through mid-December in a championship game for the Big Ten, there's a possibility where you could easily put games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and fill in the old matchin dates there. You would think the TV networks would be jumping mm-hmm. to get those kind of broadcasts here. Any kind of flexibility, any anticipation you could see the Big Ten reaching out and seeing, hey, can we be a little bit more flexible with our football schedule and getting these games all throughout the week? I think it allows for that. I do not see the Big Ten going to the Maction route of Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but I could also I could always see them uh, now being a little more flexible with Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yep. Um, you know, because if you've got you know anywhere from five to seven games on a given weekend, uh, the, the networks are going to want that flexibility. They they're going to want some sort of <laughs> kickback for this, and because uh, they're not going to get fans in the stands. But if you can get you know, Indiana playing Illinois on a Thursday and Minnesota and Iowa playing on a Friday and then two or three games on a Saturday that has a much larger audience. I mean, you're going to more exposure for your product rather than try to jam, you know, you know, well, in years past with non-conference games, you know, six or seven games at each slot. So I think that's something that's capable. I think the Big Ten is a little bit highbrow and will not go to Tuesdays or Wednesdays. That's just unless they have to during a bowl game. But I, but yeah, I think they should open that up because some of the issues with associated with let's say Iowa um, in Kinnick Stadium, you do not want to have any kind of crazy traffic during the week where you have the hospital right across the street. Well, there's not going to be traffic because there right. probably won't be any fans. So that that could take that out of the equation. 
and just have two teams, uh, an assortment of media and, and other people, and shoot, you know, they should be fine. So I, I think that's something that they, if they haven't discussed, it, it's kind of that they will discuss because it's really something that they could do. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is our guest. Doc, as I uh, go to the the two pieces, the your two most recent uh, pieces at The Athletic, uh, 1 through 25 on the offensive side of the football, likewise on the defensive side of the football. When I see it, I try to, you know, in my own head, not, you know, I'm not in the 20s, but certainly at the top of those lists, uh, you know, maybe 1, 2, and 3. I have to think that the exercise that you did on the defensive side of the football took you longer than on the offensive side of the football. I wasn't close. I'll just leave it at that with the number one, uh, in your in your mind, the number one most important player, uh, defensive or defenders, because you've got uh, uh, Keith Duncan in there, et cetera, as well. Um, but what, did the defense take you longer than the offense, Doc? A little bit, yeah. I mean, because offense, it, you know, on this team, there are more accomplished offensive players than defensive players. No question. You know, there's no more A.J. Epineza. There's no, you know, if Geno Stone and A.J. Epineza were back, they'd probably be one and two, you know. But but I think what I did was you try to go with what are the most important positions on the field and how do the, the veterans kind of move into those positions and then people of high talent. Uh, there There is no bona fide pass rusher returning, and that's that's a problem. But most important, what does Iowa hang its tenant? You know, what is its primary tenant on defense? Stop the run. And what do they need? They need a defensive tackle who can control the line of scrimmage two gaps. Davion Nixon has the ability to do that in a dominant way. He's got uh, he's got rare athletic ability. He's in that. I, I've compared him to Christian Ballard, but it more in the line of uh, you know I think he's just a little bit more physical at the point of attack. So if he can marry those fundamentals that he's been acquiring over the last year and a half to be able to do that. I think he's the best player on the field. And and I think Chauncey Golson is very good, too. He's not the pass rusher that Epinez is, but that's why I had him number two. After that, I look at, I think cover corner is third, even at Iowa, uh, especially when you're going against Purdue and Minnesota, some teams with mm-hmm. uh, elite NFL talent at that position. So I think having a Matt Hankins back for his fourth year, he's been a starter at various courses of all those years. I think he's the most important. But then, you know, then you filter in, you know, is a strong safety more important than a linebacker? Or, you know, uh, I, I think those are all open to interpretation. But I feel pretty good and pretty strong about the top three I had there. And, and then, of course, uh, Keith Duncan, his importance as a kicker, uh, you know, in, in Iowa's close games are <laughs> well-known and well-established. So <laughs> uh, that's why I probably will never have a kicker that high again in a category like that. But he is uh, he's as good as it gets. We know about Alaric Jackson. We know about Linderbaum chucking people around. That that offensive line has a chance to be good. Coy Cronk comes in from Indiana, but what do we know about him? Tell us what type of player he is going to be manning that other tackle spot, it looks like. What do we know about him? What kind of player is he as an offensive tackle? Got a great name. Yes, he does. Yeah, Coy Cronk. You know, right. yeah, you love that name for football player. No, he's, uh, you know, he's got pretty good athletic ability for his size. Okay. You know, he's He's a big player. He's from West Lafayette, Indiana, so it's kind of strange. He went, first of all, Purdue didn't recruit him under the Daryl Hazel era, which is kind of the equivalent of the Todd Licklider era <laughs> to, to Purdue football. But, no, he went to Indiana, and, you know, he was going to have to move because they really liked this freshman left tackle they had. And so, you know, he's got good movements. He's never really – it's a completely different blocking scheme. So I'm anxious to see how he fits in. 
you know, and coming off the ball and, and sticking to the players and, and moving his legs and churning because it was more of a get in the way and kind of demolish at the end is kind of what Indiana did. So I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good player for them. And, and I really think both he and Callen, Mark Kallenberger are going to be high-level players. You know, I'm not going to put them in the Jackson and Lenderbaum categories. They're NFL guys, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But yep. I think that Kronk and Kallenberger could be good starters. And, and if you've got four out of your five, I like the assortment of backups that they have or, or players at, at the other guard position. They, I think they're going to be better than they were last year by far at that position. But overall, even without the Big Ten's best offensive lineman in Tristan Wirfs. So I really like the way this is set up. I mean, anybody coming, is coming down from Wirfs from an athletic standpoint, mm-hmm. but I think they all are pretty good, high-quality players. Yeah, as we saw in the Holiday Bowl when he's 10 or 15 yards down the field and has a DB in his sights, and the DB made a business decision and went to the ground, and I would have as well. <laughs> uh, you know, back to Coy Cronk for a second. I like the fact he was a team captain. Doc obviously had a lot of respect amongst uh, uh, his teammates in the locker room. He started 40 games. So I, I'm with you. I think this offensive line is going to be good. Where I want to go with you is... Look, we know Petrus is the guy. Uh, it's a no if ands, or doubts about it. But it's a contact sport. What do we know about Padilla behind him? You know, he he had you know he, last year he was a scout team quarterback. He's he's different in build than Iowa usually gets. They usually get kind of taller guys, and he's he's very accurate. He's got really good feet. Um, he did a lot of good things in the, in the short stuff we got to see of him. I mean, they really liked him on scout team. They felt like he led the players. He did a good job of just kind of of uh, building and understanding the offense. So, yeah, I put him in there, and then I think 17th, and I, I said, you know, he could be so good he could move up to one or fall completely out <laughs> because of that position. But, you know, because I think Iowa, I want to say 130 out of 131 games, they've had the, their normal starter start. The only one was 2014 when Bethard started for Brudock at Purdue. So, They've had good luck there as well as, you know, toughness. But, yeah, Padilla, if he has to step in, I don't know if he could be that good. I I mean, I don't even really know if Petrus is going to be that good. I mean, I think he will, but you never know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, if that's the situation, then you got to throw also uh, Dusogan into the mix because, you know, there hasn't been a spring practice. So, you know, or Padilla may have taken some steps forward. I mean, now we don't know. So, But I do think he's, uh, he's somebody that they like. They talked about a lot in his first spring, and I think that, you know, that there's a future there, um, but, you know, it may also coincide with what may happen with Deuce Hogan, who's also pretty well thought of. Indeed, Deuce Hogan really was. Doc, great stuff. Uh, we will talk to you uh, in a week's time. Maybe we'll have a schedule, Scott Dockerman. We shall see. Thanks for coming on, as always, Doc. All right. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, you do the same. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as uh, we talk Hawks. Again, Adam Rittenberg tomorrow with 1025, his latest piece at ESPN.com. What'd you learn? Uh, Koi Kronk, more athletic than I anticipated. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought at the, the Offensive line's going to be good, Trent. I think they are. Yeah, me too. And a three-headed running attack. Mackay Sargent's a nice player. Yes. Tyler Gus has a chance to be special. Yes. And Ivory Kelly Martin. Don't sleep on him. I'm with you. A lot of people like mm-hmm. that IKM. Two years mm-hmm. ago, remember two Augusts ago, he flashed in the kids' day practice. Yeah, and, did he? And he was the buzz. Uh-huh. My buddy that I do a podcast with, he, he's been singing his praises and just hasn't worked. Injuries have cropped up yeah. here, but he is certainly well-liked inside that program. You can see that. He yeah. was part of that group that yeah. was out in front of the media the first time they went and talked mm-hmm. uh, early in June. So 
This is a guy that's going to get a chance, too. That offensive line comes together. Oof. The receiving core that they've got. It, it's as simple as Petrus? Yes. Laporta taking it, another step forward at tight end. We'll see that uh, maybe his first game at Minnesota. How's that? I mean, there's no easy in against a <laughs> Mac great team. point. There's, there's none of that. Yeah. Yeah, it, go jump into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> yes. Yeah, another thing, it was funny. I was listening to Doc and, uh, and Mark Morehouse's podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I think Doc threw out a number, rushing yards for Goodson, and Morehouse goes, 1,200. Well, they'd already announced that they were going down to nine or ten games at that oh, point. right. But we're going to have to I reconfigure know. those kind of things. Yeah. And when we're having fun and throwing out numbers, and not only that, but even say, all right, you drop it to 750, there's no game to pad those stats against Mm-mm. Eastern Michigan. Right. There's none of those games where, and he went off for 233 <laughs> and he ended the year with 1,100 yards. There's no, it's always against a Big Ten defense all season long. Big 12's trying to change that with their idea. They're bound and determined, aren't they? They are. They really are. Kansas, I've never looked so forward to a Kansas Jayhawk football <laughs> game as I am for the game against Southern Illinois on the 29th of August. Well, that one 12 years ago against Missouri was oh, pretty good. Oh, there was always that one. There sure. was that one, too. Uh, we'll take our final time out of the morning, come back, wrap things up. Miller and Condon until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. apply. Family owned since 1970, Kemker's True Value and Rental helps you buy what you want and rent what you need. Get to work on that to-do list with help from Kemker's True Value and Rental. Kemker's has all your hardware needs, grills for that family barbecue, and a one-stop shop for all your lawn and garden needs. Plus, their rental catalog is perfect for do-it-yourselfers. With two Central Iowa locations to better serve you in Grimes and Huxley, make it Kemker's True Value and Rental. Find out what they can do for you at KempkersTrueValue.com. That's KempkersTrueValue.com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back. Final segment here on a Monday. Miller and Condon, Trent Condon, Ken Miller. We're weekdays 10 to noon on 1460 KXNO. Kind of a weird scheduled baseball tonight. There's the latest start is 630. There's no central. Oh, that's not true. Houston Central Time Zone, right? Mm-hmm. But they're starting at 6. Other than that, no mountain, no further, no more central or no Pacific Time Zone starts. Latest game start tonight, 6.30. That is odd. That is an oddity, isn't it? It is. I mean, even with the two canceled games, those were Eastern time zone starts. So would have been. Cubs fans, be ready to flip on the TV a little bit earlier this week. First three games of the series against the Reds at 5.40. Love it. And then the Thursday game at 5.15. Is that a... 6.15 out there. It's all marquee. I don't think ESPN has one this week, do well, they? That's good, as long yeah. as they don't black it out on marquee now. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for uh, Deshays and Casper making them wear shirts and ties in the middle of summer. Oh, they'll be fine. Oh, we would not digging want... ditches. Yeah, wear okay, shirt all right. Yeah, I w- agree with you there. They're sitting but... in an air conditioned booth. No, they're, they're not. Oh, they don't, they're Wrigley? fine regardless. Nah, uh, wear wear a polo. Who do they think they are? Who's the Marquee Network trying to be? Come on, take the take the tie off, roll up the sleeves. They're gonna be just casual. Fine. That's, a, that's, that's not a good one. Sounds like somebody is saying, I can't wear a mask. I can't breathe through it. Come on. You can wear well, a tie. Well, that's a little different story here. <laughs> you can, mask you keeps can wear you a tie while you're working. It's all right. You couldn't even loosen it. I mean, they weren't even allowed to loosen the tie. I, mean, I bet when they, they weren't on camera, I bet they could loosen it. They, they, they showed them to. a lot. Anyways. <laughs> um, 
they'll be all right. Uh, w- will Lester be all right tonight? Lester v. Miley? I, uh, I'm looking for some runs tonight. I think there's going to be a bunch of them. Lester not good in his... Total's his, 10. Mm. What game did you bet that flew over in the second? Well, it had to be your White Sox It was the twins, White Sox right? twins, yeah. That would happen. That was Friday night. That one was uh-huh. early. Was in good shape there. I like the over tonight. I think that's somewhere I'm dabbling. What else did I like? This afternoon, I like the A's. Minus 115 against the Angels. The A's are a good team. They are. A's got some guys. I like Chapman at uh, third base. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, Olsen can... Boy, you know, I watched that A's game. and never ceases to... The foul ground in oh, Oakland. It's, it's incredible. Just, isn't it amazing? And it seems even more magnified now without the people yeah. in the stands. Yeah. And they, some of those cuts... <laughs> and they'll give you the overhead view, and it is ridiculous just how different it is. Are they ever going to get a new ballpark? I thought they were getting one. Has that been official? I thought that the mayor, well, maybe not, Trent. I don't yeah. think there's a shovel in the ground, or right. they've posed for the picture. Speaking of the picture, I can't get past Chris Doyle with that picture. If that's true, that he had a picture of DJK with a trash can on his head in his office, and nobody said, you know what, Chris, maybe you should put that away. Like a trophy. It, that's what it was. Yeah, you know, picture of his family, and then alongside the picture of the family. Here's us the, at a bowl game. Here's the Big Ten championship. Right. Here's Kirk and I coming off the field together. DJ oh, and K here's DJK with the trash can on his head. Bad look. That is pathetic. And no one thought the you know what to, to go in and say hmm, maybe not. Murphy and Andy two fanatics for see ya.